In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we read about how Jesus told Simon Peter, the fisherman from Galilee, that in future he was to be a pastor, a shepherd, one who must tend and feed the sheep and lambs of Jesus' flock. And this was a call to all of us to learn to share in that role and care for each other. Although today's reading comes from much earlier in John's Gospel, there's a strong similarity in the message. Here Jesus doesn't ask us to imagine ourselves as shepherds, but we are to consider what it means to be members of the flock. We're not only to be imitators of a good shepherd, we are to be good sheep. Jesus was never afraid to mix his metaphors. We often find the illustrations he uses tumble out in an uncoordinated way. They're all the more vivid and striking for that. But it should warn us not to read his words too literally. The emphasis in today's teaching is on belonging to his sheep. Jesus is exasperated at his hearers' unwillingness to receive what he tells them. They're even incapable of understanding the meaning of the works he's performed before their very eyes. Sometimes he describes them as deaf and blind, but he doesn't send them off to have their ears or eyes tested. Their ability to believe must be in their belonging. They must learn to recognize him by his voice as the one who calls them to follow him. This is to be the mark of the relationship between us, his sheep, and Jesus, our shepherd. We are to embrace the fact that, we're, that we belong to him. We are his. And yet that's not quite how it's worded in John's Gospel. The expression Jesus uses is belonging to my sheep. Of course we can only do that if first we belong to him. But there's more to it than that. Belonging to Jesus' sheep also means, in some sense, belonging to each other. I have a friend who had problems with the many references in the Bible which compare us with sheep, members of the flock. He felt that this suggested we were to be mindless followers, either all going the same way without thinking, or stupidly wandering off on our own and getting lost. Neither spoke to him of responsible beings making decisions for ourselves, he had a point, of course, but he overlooked the fact that metaphors are not to be taken literally or pushed too far. At school, I used to contribute pious articles to a monthly sixth form magazine. I can only remember two of my subjects. One had the provocative title, The Immorality of Independence. With all the authority of an 18-year-old, I argued that the desire to be independent is not only an affront to God who made us, it also denies the essence of human being human, which is to be there for one another. One of the Genesis stories of creation shows us God saying, it is not good that man should be alone. I've never had cause to revise my basic thesis. In fact, it's only got stronger as I've grown in years and maybe in wisdom. Last week, we were reminded that Jesus tells his followers to love one another as he loved them. 
And if they do that, everyone will know that they are his disciples. Sadly, we find the Acts of the Apostles and some of the Epistles showing even the earliest Christians falling out with each other and going their separate ways. Our failure, and that of every generation before us, to care for each other as much as we care for ourselves, undermines our claim to have good news for the world. Of course, the situation is more complex than that. Even in my lifetime, there's been enormous progress towards healing some of the wounds of history. And this very evening, Churches Together in Wokingham is holding its annual general meeting at St Paul's following a service marking the start of Christian Aid Week. So there is good news which needs to be proclaimed and built on. It's the news that God cares for all his children, and he does so through the lives of his followers. The ways we're able to be part of this great work vary according to our situations and means, and yet the most powerful way is available to us all. God has provided us with many ways to meet him and care for his creation, including our brothers and sisters, whatever, wherever they may be. And underpinning them all is prayer. I've written a piece for the June magazine about this, but meanwhile, a few thoughts. We can't say just how it is that prayer works, but many of us have plenty of examples where good things have happened against all the odds, and to the bewilderment of our unbelieving friends. My own theory is that by praying, we help to reduce the volume of resistance to God's love operating freely in the world and in people's lives. It may appear fanciful to pray for the great issues of the day. Not so. It's how we can do our bit to bring them under God's control. And nearer home, don't we all know people who've told us how much it's helped them to know they're being prayed for? Our care for others in our own congregation can take several forms, lifts, shopping, and all sorts of practical help. But prayer should underlie them all. We pray publicly for those who've asked us to. Some like us to use only their Christian name on our prayer list. Others prefer to be completely anonymous. Still others respond to the invitation each month in the magazine to receive confidential prayer support from our healing prayer group. The prayer ministry we offer every week following this service has brought reassurance and comfort to many. Others come for prayer and laying on of hands available once a month, either at this 9.30 service or at an evening service. And I wonder how many realize what a rich source of blessing it is that our church is open during the week for people to pray. Some leave cards on the prayer cross and we pray through them once a week for a month at evening prayer. Then there are the prayers each of us offers as individuals day by day. It's quite wrong to think of them as just private prayers. They're all part of the prayer of the communion of saints. I used to think it strange to say at a communion attended by a handful of people, though we are many, 
we are one body because we all share in one bread. But it reminds us that our sharing is with the two and a half billion Christians across the world and with all those who've gone before us to their rest. I really wish I didn't have to say what I'm about to. This week we've been deeply shocked yet again by the reminder that our church has not only harboured abusers of children and other vulnerable people, it's put its concern for its own reputation above caring for the victims of these terrible crimes. So our prayers must include penitence and a renewed resolve to let God's loving purposes for all his children prevail throughout the church. We must offer ourselves to work with him in every way we can to make this happen. We cast ourselves on the mercy and forgiveness of God and pray earnestly for the healing of all who have so grievously suffered. Prayer assures us that God is on our side, belonging to and caring for his sheep, show that we are on his. Amen.